Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. So good to see you. So glad you're here today. Hey, we are kicking off our sermon, our Christmas sermon series. I know what you're thinking that me and Pastor, me and Pastor Chris shop at the same store and, uh, and look exactly the same in this sweater. In this sweater. We, have the same, we, we have the same trainer. We work out. We don't work out together. He can't really keep up, but we, but we do both work out. Hey, I want to talk to you today about Christmas memories. Hey, when, I don't know about you, but when I think about Christmas and Christmas past, man, it brings up such great memories. It, when you think about Christmas as an adult, uh, for me, it brings me right back to my childhood and gifts that I got were, that were so cool. I remember one year getting a green Schwinn bike with a banana seat. You know, old people remember the banana seat? And it was so cool. It was sparkly silver. I was the coolest kid in the neighborhood. And so you think about past gifts you got. I, I was thinking about some of the gifts. I thought about funny when I had uh, one year. When I was a kid, I loved to make stuff that, were, that was electronic. And so one year, my parents went to Radio Shack, Radio Shack and got me this set that you could make all kinds of stuff with. And so what I made was an alarm for my bedroom, and it literally, I mean, it was a loud siren with a red flashing light, but I didn't tell anybody I made it because I shared my bedroom with my older brother who was in high school and he regularly would come in after curfew when my dad was sleeping. And so I waited till one night when I knew he had missed curfew and then I put the whole alarm system up in my bedroom, which was across from my parents' room. My brother comes in, the red light starts flashing, a siren starts, my dad jumps out of bed and man, did my brother get it that night. And did I get it the next day when my dad wasn't there to protect me? Christmas memories. I wanna walk us through a passage of scripture Paul writes in Galatians chapter four. It was actually written around 52 AD. It was about 20 years after the crucifixion of Christ and about 53 years after the birth of Christ. And Paul is looking back on the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus and giving us the significance of the Christmas story as it relates to us today. John chapter four, verse four, Galatians chapter four, verse four says, but when the set time had fully come, the New Living Translation says, at just the right time, right? God sent his son born of a woman. It's as if God marked his calendar for those living at the time of Christ. It must have felt like Christmas or the coming of Christ, the coming of the Messiah was taking forever to get here. You may remember that in Isaiah chapter four, Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would be born of a virgin and they would call him Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah chapter seven, Isaiah prophesied that he would be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and the prince of peace. And yet all these years, 700 years go by and the Messiah is still not here. 
generation after generation would let their, their, their kids, their grandkids know that a Messiah was coming, but he never showed up. There were 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament and still no Messiah. For centuries the Jews waited. I don't know how it was at your house on Christmas, but on Christmas morning, we had all of our bedrooms in in a hallway and then there was a door between the hallway and the living room and we were threatened with our lives if we went into the living room before our parents woke up and saw the presents. And of course, your dad had stayed up half the night, so he didn't want to get up early. And you were like, literally, it was torture. I mean, it really was a form of abuse when you think about it. There's all these gifts on the other side of that door that you can't walk through. And now as an adult, I practice the same abuse. I've carried it down to my kids, right? You cannot go into the living room until we wake up. And then I make sure I sleep late. The world waited for a savior. The world waited for a Messiah. And the Bible says that at just the right time, God sent his son. How many of you know God's always on time, amen? It says God has sent his son, born of a woman. It goes on to say that born, uh, born under the law to redeem those under the law. Jesus, when he was born, as a baby, was born under the law. He was accountable to the law of God. He was accountable to the Mosaic law. But then he goes on to say that he was born under the law so that he could redeem those under the law. You know who those are? That's me and you. Throughout scripture, we see that God has a law. And Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says we've all broken that law. We've all sinned. We've all come short. The truth is, we're not good law keepers. I don't know about you, but many times I find myself breaking my own law. Right? This past New Year's Eve, I committed to lose 25 pounds, and I've only got 32 to go. You know how it is. Man, you make a law, you establish a boundary, you decide how it's going to be, and then a month later, you've broken it. New Year's resolutions, dieting laws, parenting laws, marriage laws, honesty laws. Laws that we literally oppose upon ourselves and yet can't keep them. And when we break laws whether with God, with ourselves, or the government, we create a debt-debtor relationship with the lawmaker. That when we break a law, there is a cost to pay. It's true in our marriage relationships. It's true with our children, employer and employees. And scripture teaches that it's also true in our relationship with God. We break the law, and now we owe a debt to a debtor. The Bible says that he was born under the law to redeem those under the law. The word redeem, the picture there is literally of a slave block where someone who would go and buy a slave and then take them and put them to work. And yet here, the picture that God is trying to let us see is that he bought us. He bought us. He paid for us. But he didn't buy us or pay for us to put us to work. He bought us and paid for us to set us free. Amen? Amen. He desired us to walk in freedom. Jesus died on the cross as the payment 
of the sins that we had committed that we had no way of paying for on our own. We can't go back and undo what we've done. We can't undo sin. And all the promises in the world still leave us owing God. Have you ever tried to bargain with God? You did something you shouldn't do and then you start bargaining with God. God, I'll do this, this, and this if you don't let me get in trouble for this. All the promises in the world cannot pay our debt for sin. And scripture teaches that when Jesus died on the cross, he redeemed us from that law that the law could no longer condemn us. And even though we were lawbreakers, Jesus and God served as the judge and the jury and said, even though you're absolutely guilty, you don't owe us for your sin anymore. The terminology is somewhat judicial, but Paul shows us that our redemption through Christ is so much more than a judicial, a judicial transaction. Listen to this next verse. He says, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. God says it's not enough that your debt is paid. I want more than, out of this agreement than that. I want a relationship with you. Think about a judge choosing to forgive a crime. A judge can forgive a crime and yet have no relationship with the criminal. A judge can forgive a crime and yet never see the criminal again. But Paul says, as I look at this Christmas story, it's more than forgiveness because God wants so much more from us and for us than that. And in order to paint the picture, Paul uses the concept of adoption. My wife, Tara, her birthday is August 6, 1971. But that really is not the most important day. Because Tara, Tara was born to two college students who knew they couldn't take care of her on, her, on their own and chose to put her up for adoption. The real important day is August 20th, 1971. When Bob and Betty Bro walked into the Catholic Diocese of Lafayette and signed a piece of paper saying we no longer want her to be an orphan, we want her to be a daughter. And literally in a moment, she went from orphan to daughter. In a moment, they went from barren to parents because of adoption. And the Bible says the Bible uses adoption to give us a glimpse of what kind of a relationship God wants with us. It, at this time in history, as Paul is writing Galatians chapter 4, adoption was completely different then than it is today. They didn't adopt babies back then because of the limited medical technology. Many times babies didn't survive. But the other reason, so they saw it as a risk. The other risk was this. If you had a baby, if you adopted a baby, you would have no idea what that baby would grow up and become, and they saw that as a risk. So literally, they adopted adults. So let me tell you how it worked. So rich and wealthy, powerful people would literally look at their kids and go, there's no way. Some of y'all have thought this. There's no way I'm leaving my fortune to these kids. 
So they would go out and they would find a responsible adult who has proven themselves and they would adopt them to carry on their legacy, their name, their good name, and their wealth. So that's how it worked back then. Let me just stop and say for a moment that if you're here today and you're wealthy, I'm available. I, I really think those kids you have, I could do so much more with your money than they could. And so it was common. So when Paul wrote this, they understood it to mean something different than we understand today. Listen, it's one thing to walk in and want to adopt someone and see a baby that is cute and say, I'll take that baby. It's another thing to walk in and see one of us and go, oh yeah, I'll take him at 54. It meant this. To them, it meant that God saw us as adults with all of our faults and all of our failures and all of our sin Knowing that we were not worthy being to be adopted by someone of means, wealth, or clout, and yet God looked at us and said, I choose them. I want to make them my own. God says, I know what you've done. I know what you haven't done, and I still choose you. As believers, we've been adopted by God himself. Maybe you're here today, and you've never really made a commitment to Christ. You've never surrendered your heart to God. Listen, there's no better time than today. And we'd love to celebrate that with you a little bit later. Not to simply be forgiven by God. Not just to be made right with God. But to be adopted into the family of God. The Galatians must have been blown away. That God, knowing all of their faults and all of their sin, would adopt someone like them. Yes, to be forgiven by God, but also to have a relationship with God. Listen to the next verse. It says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So we're not related to God by blood, but we're related to God by adoption by the Holy Spirit literally inhabiting our hearts and connecting us to God. And the Holy Spirit invites us into that intimate relationship with God himself. You probably know this, but the word Abba there is the Aramaic word for daddy. It represents more than just a father. It represents the intimate relationship of a child and their daddy. Jesus used this word in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was crucified. If you remember, in Philippians chapter two, the Bible says that Jesus was born in order to die for our sins. And yet the night before the crucifixion, he literally is in the Garden of Gethsemane and says, Daddy, please, if it be your will, don't let me go through this. And then he finishes by saying, but not my will, but thy will. Can't you stop and, and, and share something with you real quick? I have a counseling agency. I do a lot of counseling. And, and whenever Christians come in and they're battling with some emotional issue, they always try to cover it up by quoting some positive scriptures. Right? Like, it, like, like they feel guilty for listening to their emotions. So they'll, they'll tell me their issue and they'll go, but I know no weapon formed against me will prosper. And I know I walk by faith and not by, they start quoting all these positive scriptures, which is great. 
Can I tell you, we should not be ruled by our emotions, but we sure should be in tune with our emotions because they were given to us by God for a purpose and a reason. So here our example, Jesus Christ is struggling in the garden and he's honest and he's vulnerable with God. And I think many times in the church where we miss it is we quote all the positive scriptures, but we're never vulnerable with God or vulnerable with one another. And we hide things that God wants to step into and, 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 and walk us through. So he's Abba Father. He's Daddy God, literally. So 20 years after the death of Christ, Paul says that because of the price paid by Jesus for our sins, we can relate to God, not just as forgiver, judge, or master, but as our Father, and not just Father, but Daddy God. If you're a Christian here today, you need to know that this is the relationship you've been invited to be a part of because not every believer understands that. As Paul looks back on Christmas, he realizes this is what God was up to. In verse seven, he says, so you are no longer slaves, but God's children. In a slave relationship, it's all about rules, what you can and can't do. In other words, you're no longer relating to God through law, You've been redeemed from that, and Christmas is about moving beyond a relationship of law and slavery into being part of a family. That's what God's inviting us to. You no longer relate to God as the lawgiver, but as Father. You no longer look to God through the lens of what you've done, but now who you are, His child. And the message of Christmas is this God sent His Son so that you and I could be his children. Adult, who's been forgiven of everything they've ever done. Verse seven, so you are no longer slaves, but God's children. And since you are his children, he has also made you heirs. Do you know what that means? There's an inheritance coming, right? I like the inheritance. I have friends of mine who, a friend of mine who, his dad always told him and his two siblings that he was just a truck driver. And they thought he was just a truck driver. And then his dad died. And the three kids got called to the, uh, to the attorney's office to settle the estate. And when they got there, they said, do you know how much you have coming to, him, to you? And the son said, I don't know, maybe $100,000, $200,000. My dad was just a truck driver. And what they found out in that moment was their daddy wasn't just a truck driver. He owned 50% of the company and they all worked, walked out each with a check for $3 million. I'm like, sign me up, baby. You are heirs, which means there is an inheritance. I kind of want to walk you through what's available to you as a believer. I just want to walk you through some things that are available to each of us as believers. The first thing is this, forgiveness and freedom from your past. I don't know what your past looks like, but there are things in my past that I don't want to talk about. But the Bible says that as sons and daughters of God, we have freedom and forgiveness from our past. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, listen to this, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. You know what that means? Your sin is no match for God's grace. That God's grace is bigger than anything you've ever done. 
Listen, if we take all of my sin, like all of my sin, and like we could put it right here in this part of the platform, and then all of that's Pastor Chris's sin, and there's so much more over there. This verse of scripture says, it doesn't matter how much is up here, God's grace is bigger than all of this. But not only forgiveness and freedom from our past, the Bible says that he also gives us grace for our future. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says this, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. You know what that means? That God knew that just because we said yes to him, we would still struggle with some things. And he said, even though you still deal with weakness, my grace is still sufficient for you. Still sufficient for you. But then we have access to the Father. Ephesians chapter three, verse 12 says this, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Many of us grew up in traditional religion where we came to God very sheepishly not knowing if we really measured up or belong. Can I tell you, my kids, when they want something, they come with confidence. I took them Black Friday shopping, my two girls, and Tara had some other things to do. So me and the two girls got up early and went Black Friday shopping. And like, we would get to the register and I'm started pulling, I didn't, where did this come from? Dad, you know you want to get us that. You know why? Because they know they belong. They know that I love them and I'm for them. And every once in a while, I'm okay spoiling them because they belong to me. Here's one that some of you really, really should be thankful for. That as sons and daughters, we get a new family. We get a new family. We get to belong to something that is functional. 1 John 3, 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. I don't know what kind of family you came from. But maybe when you think about God as a father, there's some negative connotations. When you think about Isaiah chapter seven where he says that he would be called everlasting father, maybe some of you think of your own father and he was anything but everlasting. Can I just tell you? God's not only a father, but Jesus said that he is a good father. And can I just say this? It's so good to be a part of a spiritual family. I don't know about you, but I love being part of a spiritual family like this. I love knowing that there's something here that I'm connected to that's bigger than me, right? A new family. And then you get the authority of an heir. Matthew 16, 19 says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Listen, when you pray, you need to pray with authority. You belong to the king. And then the peace of God. Man, do we need the peace of God this year. Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you? The peace of God comes after we make peace with God. Maybe you've been coming to church, but you don't feel any different. Have you ever made a commitment to Christ? Have you ever really made peace with God? The peace of God is available for you and for me. 
And then victory through Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 17, 57, 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we've been adopted. I don't know about you, but for me, that's good news. We've been adopted. You know, Tara and I, we have two girls, 13 and 14. I, was, I told the first service, you know, I don't, how many of you have girls? How many of you have girls? When, I, when our girls were born, I was so thankful they were cute. Now they're 13 and 14, and I wish they weren't cute. I'll have a whole lot less to worry about. Adoption. We had our children. But when I think about Tara's mom and dad going in and adopting her, it's different. In a way, she was purchased. In a way, she was chosen. In a way, she was redeemed by the parents who chose to love her. When Tara's mom looks at Tara, she has to see incredible worth. That we wanted children that we couldn't have and God through prayer provided a child that we wanted and now we're family? I don't know what you think you're worth to God. I don't know how you view yourself as it relates to God. Maybe you still see yourself as a slave. Maybe you still pray like somebody who's trying to keep the law. Maybe you talk to God as a judge, you're bordering with him. God, I did this, this wrong, so now I'm gonna do this, this, and this to make up with it. Can I tell you, you can't pay for your own sin. Jesus paid the price for your sin. The cross was the redemption of your sin paid the penalty of your sin. If this is your relationship with God, you're still acting like a slave while you've been invited to be a part of the family. God's saying we're done with that slavery. We're done with, I'm inviting you into something much more meaningful and much more powerful. You are my child and I want to be your Abba Father. God says, you know what you're worth to me? You're worth Christmas to me. You're worth me sending my son to be born on earth, to one day die on a cross so that we could be family. I don't know where you stand with God today. Probably most of us in this room are people who've committed their hearts to Christ, but I know that many times people don't really walk in the relationship God has for us but we, because we don't truly depend on him. You know, I've got this bar stool here and I believe that this bar stool will hold me up. But until I have the confidence to put my weight on it, until I really trust it, it really does me no good. And I think many times with God, we believe that he can be who he said he's gonna be, but we don't really put our trust in him. And so we miss out on so much that God has for us. Would you bow your heads today? Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. I don't know where you are with God, but I know this. God wants relationship with you.
The Bible tells us in John chapter 3 that there was a man named Nicodemus who literally came to Jesus and asked how he could make it to heaven. And Jesus said this. Jesus said, no man can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Maybe you're here and you say, I've been baptized. I was christened as a child or I've, I've gone to church all my life. Listen, all of those things are great and all of those things are a great start. But Jesus said, if you want to get to heaven, you've got to be born again. What does that mean? My birthday is February 17th, 1966. It's the day I was born. But when I was seven years old, I made a commitment to Christ. I kind of gave him the steering wheel of my life. Like this stool, I trusted in him. I put my confidence in him. And I've had good days and I've had bad days, but my life has never been the same since. And I just want to, I think that God is touching some of you in this room. I think you feel him tugging at your heart right now. And I just want to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer with us. We won't embarrass you in anything, for anything in the world. But I'm going to ask you, if you want to make a commitment to Christ, maybe you don't, you don't even know where you stand with God, and you want to make a commitment to Christ, you want to pray a prayer to articulate what's in your heart, I just want you right now to lift your hand right where you are and put it right back down, and we would love to pray with you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to let it simply come right from your heart. I'm going to ask every believer in this room to pray in support of those that lifted their hands today. Can we pray together? Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe You faced hell for me, so I would not have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we celebrate with these today?